Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The first rule of engineering. Written by Radius 55. Those greedy self-entitled, never to be sufficiently damned blackowl. Worthless corporate reproductive organ-licking vacuum suckers. I hope they rot in the deepest depths of the coldest singularity in the multiverse. Captain Vok of the independent merchant vessel Kragar, the name that translated roughly to the big one in galactic standard, a bet in the form of a pun. Raged as a sales being he had just left behind, the captain had an excellent grasp of invective and could go on for quite a while without repeating himself. The stream had just gotten to the point of describing the questionable reproductive habits of the retailers when he spotted the ship's engineer poking his head through the hatch. Didn't get the parts? The human Mel Andersmith asked. Mel was generally a good engineer. They had picked him up in a port a few cycles back and Vok couldn't fault his work. Whenever a problem cropped up, Mel was there. The man even managed to get the ever-present smell of rust and the forward environmental plant. Still, he had some odd habits. A great deal of the human's pay went towards small beans that he made into a broth and consumed at the start of every shift. Then Mal would always wear those eye-seemingly garish garments when he was off duty. His musical tastes were best left unspoken. But the human engineer, Handersmith, had done excellent work in the past. Never without parts, though. No! Oh, they had them. The pseudo-avian captain spat. They wanted 40 kilo credits for the single third-stage containment field generator. We're not even going to make that much delivering this cargo, and it's our biggest in months. Vok was starting to get worked up again. This ship had been a victim of a string of bad deals recently. In fact, the reason he'd hired a human engineer in the first place was that Arcadian, who previously held the position, simply demanded too much pay. Well, nowhere near as precise or experienced, at least Mel was cheap and competent. But if they couldn't get the ship moving in five minicycles, no one would be getting paid. Yeah, kind of expected something like that. Pick up any of the other stuff I asked you for, though. The human had sent along an extensive shopping list. Aside from field generators, the rest had been relatively cheap. A fuel tools, some standard replacement parts, and other miscellaneous engineering implements. Sent a bot for the stuff, Captain Vok replied. All except for an item 7. No one ever heard of or whatever that stuff is. As they spoke, the autonomous panic glided through the corridor, piled up with the purchases. Damn, the human cursed. Could have used it for what I'm going to need to do. Now, think you can order me a fuel generator for a YT-1300 light freighter. Those aren't going for more than 800 credits, if I remember right. Possibly, the captain temporized. But how will that help? The software is incompatible to begin with, and it's not like the fields are in that close in dimensions. Oh, just leave that to me, sir. This is going to be a challenge, but I'll have this baby running in the end. The captain sighed. 
Another thing, the human engineer, he couldn't understand. It would constantly refer to the ship as a small child, or a young female, or occasionally a derogatory epitaph for a hunting animal from its home world. But if he could get the ship fixed, he'd let it slide. Fine, just get this done. We can't afford to lose the cargo now. Of course, Cap, on the job. What is that banging? was the muzzy thought that went through Vok's mind. According to the wall, Chrono, it was less than 30 microcycles since he had fallen asleep and it had been a very taxing shift. The captain felt a jolt as he realized the noise was coming from engineering. Oh, Cap, is that the featherless track destroying the ship? He bolted out of the bed and dressed quickly. And things had been looking so good... Vok thought with the older model field generator in position, Andersmith had stripped the old system out and taken it apart, cannibalizing, the human said it, as was if transferring bits and pieces from one to the other. Then he had downloaded some software and from the hypernode called the Brigand Port and installed it in the new system. Mal said something about someone releasing a cracked and DRM-free version of the containment field generator firmware that was compatible with most ships. Oh, something like that. Vok really wasn't following the technical babble. Now it sounded as if the insane primate had killed them all. It only took a moment to reach the engineering from the captain's quarters, pausing just outside the hatch. Captain Vok took a deep breath and prepared himself for a hellish prospect beyond. Instead, what he saw was a heavy metal swung inwards was a fairly normal scene. Andersmith was even there in the corner, bent over at the access panel for the third stage containment field generator. On closer inspection, though, the human was swinging something. It almost looked like a... Um, what are you doing to my ship? Vox screeched. Himal quickly turned around and set down the massive mallet that he clutched in his grip. Sorry to wake you, sir, he said sheepishly. The generator's dimensions are a bit off, so it needed some extra force to get seated. No, I think the last one got it in. Anders Smith leaned over and typed a command into the terminal nearby and then stood. Yep, we're actually showing 108% normal field efficiency. They made this model for a slightly higher-powered engine, and I made some tweaks. But you were hitting it with a... with a... that... that... that thing! Inside, the captain was a bit impressed. He had hoped, but he hadn't actually expected this man to get the engine working. Still, he was beating on his ship. It was a principle of the thing. Well, these generators are designed to stand the gradient of 1,200 gravities per meter. A little whack isn't going to do more than scratch the finish. Besides, Mal continued with a grin, I was just following the first rule of engineering. If it doesn't work, you are not using a big enough hammer. A tenth cycle had passed since the Captain Vok and the IMV Grigar had found Andersmith applying the human interpretation of the first rule of engineering. They were still in space and the fix was in place and operating at better than maximum efficiency. With the cargo delivered on time, he could have now afford to pay the crew and the three jobs after that had kept things going smoothly. In fact, things were looking better than they had in a long time. After seeing the new parts in action, the captain had to admit that while the method of insertion was unorthodox, it worked well. So well that he'd made a point to scour the next few ports until he found the missing item 7 for the engineer's list. 
It had been kind of scary to see the human's eyes light up like that when he first passed over the stack of short gray cylinders. But what was even more disturbing was when the man had muttered something about the alternate burst rule. But no, it couldn't be that bad, he thought to himself. How nasty could something called uh, duct tape be? End of story. Story number two. Gremlins Inspection, written by Big Wuffle. Safety Inspection Results, Galactic Standard Year 1799, Ship Name Indomitable, Registered Captain Fleen Sikway. Major Inspections, Hull Integrity 69%, Pass. Reactor Shielding 78%, Pass. Automated Guidance System 62% Accuracy. Provisional Pass Attained 70% Next Inspection. System power surplus, 12%. Non-essential systems, plus 3%. Pass. Life support capacity, 3, 3. Tetranoid life forms, pass. Minor inspections to follow, 3, 6, 9. Gresswick flushed a pale green of annoyance as he skimmed over the last report of his ship. If you recall, it had barely passed when his foot went through the bulkhead on the next floor, and the H2O scrubbers had sprung a leak. It was only sheer chance that it was able to scrape through with only a provisional pass. He wasn't expecting much as he approached the berth the cargo ship had docked in, making a mental note to watch his foot and declare the ship scrap as soon as possible. He had already removed his red stylus for the job, called him old-fashioned, but he liked the look of the space jockey's faces when he started scribbling with it. The ship was as ugly as he remembered, the bulky body exterior patched so many times that whatever material was nearby, it was held together by spitten hope. Gresswick tapped the stylus against the drawer gleefully. Maybe he could declare the ship scrapworthy before even having to set foot inside. Fleen, the tetranoid captain, was waiting outside the airlock with a rather calm expression, making him flush with an even deeper green. Maybe she was already resigned to her failure. It is not much fun if he couldn't watch them break. Ah, Mr. Gresswick, I'd hoped it would be you. She gave him an insufferably smug smile, arms clasped in from behind her in a relaxed pose. I think you'll be a surprised, not pleasantly, but surprised. Grumbling under his breath, the inspector stomped his way to the main airlock, remembering that they had to use the cargo hold last time. Yes, yes, let's get the shambles over with. Open it up if you can. That damned smile only grew wider as three slender fingers danced over the controls, the thick hatch sliding aside with barely a sound. Stepping inside, he demanded that the hatch be open and closed several times, examining it from separate angles, measuring how fast the seals were, adding in a thin, smoky dye to the atmosphere to look for any leakage, thrumming. In his throat, he slid the red stylus back and pulled out a blue one, making his records. Main airlock, 100% seal pass. The floor was new, thin grating that allowed for possible drainage from the condensation, but nothing for even Toad to catch on. Several times he stomped one of the thick-soled feet against them, noting with some grim consternation that they were in perfect condition. No dents, no cracks, no nothing. Again, he replaced the stylus and grudgingly recorded the past infraction fulfilled. Fine, don't know how much this cost you to fix, but I doubt the space trucker could keep it up. Let's carry on, shall we? That damned smug 
smiled again as she dashed it down the hallway, making Greswick grind his jaw together. This can't be right. Veen had to hold outright chuckle as she leaned against the reactor casing. Sans suit, the gentle rumbling of the power creating vibrations underfoot, slapping his sensor a few times, bridling with the settings, even daring his physical health to measure the thickness of the shielding in places before shaking his head. There is no way someone like you could afford this much. I'll be making a note in my file suspecting you of material theft. The captain shrugged, an impressive sight with the double shoulders. Investigate all you want. Everything has been legally obtained. Angrily scrawling on his pad, Greswick kicked the small device in the corner of the room, drawing a wince from the tetranoid. As he stomped to the further inspect the ship, he heard her muttering to herself, strangely apologizing. This was ridiculous. Life support better than ever, filters an impossibly good condition considering how old the serial numbers stated, power supply plus 20% at full draw. The only thing that he could find was the guidance system only just squeaking by at 73% accuracy. The captain near purred as she stepped up behind him, peering down at the diagnostic screen. Yes, we're having a few teething troubles integrating foreign programming, but I'm told it'll achieve 92% within three orbits. Greswick was steadily pulsating between yellow and green, tinged with blue, stomping through the ship as he looked for something, anything to record. Inspiration dawned in him as he spotted a loose panel on the ceiling, clacking his jaw together in a sadistic glee. Let's see what's up here, hmm? Smuggling, perhaps. Green folded her arms and had to force herself to not bare her teeth, growling deep in her throat. You have no jurisdiction in that regard, Greswick. Just write me up and be done with it. Pointing his stylus at her, jabbing the air as he spoke, Greswick reached up and shoved the panel aside. Either way, I can at least get you for an unsecured access panel. Now let's see what we have. The first thing he registered was several faint lights here and there. Perhaps faulty wiring. If he could reach in and check. The next thing was eyes. Lots of eyes. With a yelp, he fell back from the seating panel, covering his head with his pad as several flick glided between the walls, swinging his free arm in an attempt to shoo them away. He was only aware of the tone by the way his jaw tingled. The flick landed on any available surface and, as one, began climbing back into the panel, their tails flicking from side to side as they ducked out of the view. Turning to glare at Fleen for attempting to hide an obviously large infestation, he almost deflated as he watched her gently stroke one that had landed on her wrist. The material was unfamiliar, but an unmistakable harness was dangling from its body. Another tone rang out, and a glider pushed off from its perch, passing by another as it entered the duct. This one was harnessed like the first, seemed to be accompanied by a rider as it gently landed and gripped onto her shoulder. The being dismounted, and Greswick stared, dumbfounded, as she twitched a triangular ear down to catch whatever it was saying. Ah, you'll be happy to hear, Inspector, that we've managed to bring the guidance computer up to 88% ahead of schedule. He was really, really getting sick of that grin. I've been wanting to rub his face in these repairs ever since you guys joined up. So, uh, what's next on our itinerary? She felt another flick land on her, a faint, barely audible voice rattling off ports buying up metals at high prices. 
Gremlins requesting transport, new human colonies looking to buy up general commodities. Grinning once more as she punched in the coordinates, she gave another brief prayer of thanks for letting the Gremlins cross her path. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.